It's possible if some if if an oracle were to explain to you the correct theory of consciously you, consciousness, you would say, "Wow, why didn't I think of that?" Or you would alternatively think that's stark raving bonkers. And I suspect we'd think it was stark raving bonkers. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. In this episode, I continue my investigation into consciousness. I turn now to a philosopher who is also an advocate for artificial intelligence. He advocates for a form of physicalistic idealism that's both highly speculative and incredible by his own words. He supports the equations of physics as a complete description of reality and posits that minds arise in quantum superpositions of neurons. A quantum superposition is a non-intuitive situation that arises in the equations of physics where a system can seemingly exist in two different physical states at the same time as long as it is isolated from observation. And the classical representation of this is the famous Schrodinger's cat thought experiment, where um, a cat is in a box with a radioactive source or poison gas that, uh, that basically hinges on a quantum mechanical probability whether the cat is alive or dead. But until you look at it, quantum mechanics tells you that the cat is a superposition of both physical states alive and dead, as long as the box is not opened. My next guest applies this to mind in his hypothesis. So let's find out what he has to say. As always, if you enjoy what you hear, please press like on your podcast app and share it with your friends. Come join me on our Facebook group, The Rational View, or register for my newsletter at my website, www.therationalview.ca. Dr. David Pierce is author of The Hedonistic Imperative, which advocates the use of biotechnology to abolish suffering throughout the world. In 1998, he co-founded the World Transhumanist Association with Nick Bostrom. Transhumanists believe in the use of technology to overcome our biological limitations. Dr. Pierce, welcome to The Rational View. Welcome. I should probably add I'm not technically a a doctor, but uh, aside from that detail, uh, (laughs) it's very very good to be with you. <laughs> okay, so philosophers highlight the hard problem of consciousness. I'm doing a, a series of podcasts on consciousness, and, and you have uh, some interesting theories about uh, how consciousness arises, and I wanted to investigate some of these quantum mechanical theories of consciousness because they, they seem to be all over the map. So there's this hard problem of consciousness, but for me, the whole thing seems very ill-defined. We don't really uh, know what consciousness is. Um, I don't think we're asking the right questions even. And I think this is why so many people are coming at it from so many different ways. What do do we know about consciousness from an empirical perspective? Is there anything we can say that we know for sure? Good heavens. Lots of questions. First, intuitively, consciousness is mysterious and the physical is well understood. 
But actually, the intrinsic nature of the physical is very poorly understood too. Science has literally no idea what breathes fire into the equations, the intrinsic nature of the physical. So, yeah, one shouldn't get the idea that, yeah, the material world is understood by science and consciousness is the mystery. They are both fundamentally mysteries. Um, what do we know about consciousness? Yeah, one should probably attempt uh, some sort of definition. A lot of people, when they think of consciousness, will think of reflective self-awareness, some kind of thin, serial, logico-linguistic thought. But in reality, I would argue at any rate, consciousness is all one ever directly knows. Everything else is a hypothesis. I mean, right now, I, I, I assume I'm not a Boltzmann brain, I assume I'm not a mini brain in the vat and so on, but all the evidence is consistent with my being a Boltzmann brain or a mini brain in the vat. So consciousness embraces not simply uh, feelings, thought episodes, but also what naive realists would call the external world. I think each of us uh, is running an egocentric world simulation. It's, well, as I said, I said the, all the direct empirical evidence, and it's extremely embarrassing because if, like me, you're a physicalist, scientific rationalist, you believe that the mathematical formalism of physics uh, exhaustively uh, describes uh, the world, that, you know, modern science is our best account of reality. Uh, essentially, science works and our whole technological civilization is based upon science. Yet, if physicists and chemists correctly understand the nature of matter and energy, then consciousness ought not to exist. So, there's this tension then between all, uh, in a sense, and this sounds rhetorical or hyperbolical, but it's not, that science, materialist science, is inconsistent with the entirety of the empirical evidence. By empirical, one means relating to experience. So we have a real, real tension here, a real tension. Yes, our, our entire um, experience is subjective consciousness, as it were. Um, and yes, science, um, you know, we could be brains in vats. We could be in the matrix. We could be in a simulation. There's, there's certainly no, um, no way to say for sure that this world that we're that we seem to be experiencing is actually here because of the way we experience things. Uh, but we have these equations, and you know they're consistent with this world. We can predict what happens with in this world based on these equations. So we have kind of a self-consistent model of this world that seems to work for everything. And you're saying the disconnect is consciousness, that our equations don't predict consciousness in any particular way. But we don't, our equations don't predict a lot of emergent behaviors when you get, you know, you go from the microscopic to the macroscopic. There are emergent things that you could not predict that are supposedly consistent with the equations, but are just too complex to predict. Why is consciousness not just an emergent, um, a, an emergent phenomenon, like, you know, um, flocking behavior in birds or 
ant ant hills and bee colonies? There are two kinds of emergence. Weak emergence, which is the kind of emergence one wants scientifically, is something like uh, like biological life. Uh, on the face of it, the properties of living organisms, bio biological macromolecules, are not reducible to physics. But we now know, thanks to the you know, the triumphs of molecular biology, the modern synthesis, that uh, life reduces to molecular biology. Uh, molecular biology reduces to quantum chemistry and chemistry reduces to physics. And okay, there's a fair bit of hand-waving one needs to do here, but nonetheless one can show in principle how to derive the special sciences, chemistry, biology and so forth, from physics. All the special sciences reduce to physics. Um, and for this not to be the case, yeah, imagine if the software running on your window or de your desktop didn't reduce to the execution of the underlying machine code. It would be a, be a bit like, well, it would be magic. And so at all costs, one wants to, emer to avoid strong emergence. But this is the problem. Um, <clears throat> Nothing in our understanding of basic physics and chemistry gives us the slightest hint how it is possible to generate subjective experience, consciousness. Uh, and this, uh, yeah, and, and this, is, this is a real embarrassment for science. Uh, we ought, if physicists and chemists understand the properties of matter and energy, to be zombies and physicists and chemists would be most uh, insistent it's not that their theories there are no hidden variables they're not leaving anything out physics is essentially complete i mean yeah there are embarrassments uh, as i said but but crudely the standard model and general relativity let's ignore dark matter and uh, and, and dark energy but it's it, essentially <laughs> Physics is complete and there's only one thing in the universe that scientific materialism can't explain, and that is consciousness, subjective experience. Uh, and yeah, how then do we crack the hard problem? Um, there are other mysteries of consciousness too. It's not a single phenomenon. Any satisfactory theory of consciousness needs, I, I would argue at any rate, to explain one, its very existence, two, its causal efficacy, uh, i.e. right now, somehow, consciousness has the causal functional power to inspire discussions about its own existence. How is this causal functional efficacy possible? I suspect a lot of, a lot of scientists are implicitly epiphenomenalism that's just a fancy philosopher's term to say that uh, uh, that matter and energy cause conscious states but uh, conscious states don't cause uh, 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 matter and energy but if epiphenomenalism were true well by definition epiphenomena wouldn't have the causal capacity to inspire discussions about their own existence whereas right now yeah consciousness is doing precisely that so that's two related mysteries the hard problem the problem of causal efficacy 
A third of the fleet of the four mysteries I want to uh, mention is the so-called Palette problem. Uh, just as one can see, uh, have the experience of millions of different uh, hues of, of colour, consciousness is tremendously diverse. And yet at the same time, if one inspects atoms and molecules, uh, they're Yes, seem pretty similar. You know, it, you know, you stimulate one uh, group of neurons in the brain, and you know, and the subject reports a musical jingle. Stimulate another cluster of neurons, and and colour, or in some cases, uh, rich, vivid uh, imagery. What explains this 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 diversity of of of, of conscious states? Mm -hmm. And the fourth problem. Uh, and this is something that has uh, that has troubled me is the so-called uh, binding problem or combination problem. Even if somehow consciousness is fundamental to the world, and this is a hypothesis I take seriously. Uh, yeah, imagine if the mathematical formalism of quantum field theory describes consciousness rather than insentience. What explains why we aren't micro-experiential zombies, just patterns of mind dust? Because on the face of it, neuroscanning suggests that you are around 86 billion discrete, decohered, membrane-bound nerve cells communicating with each other across chemical and electrical synapses. Why aren't you just 86 billion odd membrane bound pixels of experience? And after all, the enteric nervous system of, of, of the gut, fabulously complicated information processing system, 500 million odd uh, neurons. Nonetheless, it's not, to the best of our knowledge, a subject of experience. For it to be a unified subject would involve some kind of spooky, magical, strong emergence. Uh, or take, for example, you know, the population of the, of the United States. Let's, let's, let's assume that the population of the USA agrees to participate in an experiment and uh, communicate via fast reciprocal electromagnetic signaling, implements any computation you like, does a unified subject of experience switch on? Or is the USA still three hundred and thirty odd? What's the population of the USA? Yes. Three hundred three hundred something. Three hundred and thirty million or so skull-bound American minds. Uh, likewise, you know, a termite, a termite colony. To the best of our knowledge, there is no hive mind there. It would involve some kind of strong emergence, and yet. For unexplained reasons, our mind brains are different. We are capable of both local binding and global binding. This is uh, local binding is that if, let's say, right now, yeah, let's say you're observing a particular perceptual object within your world simulation, uh, simulation neuroscientists can pick out edge detecting uh, neurons, color, det color mediating neurons, motion mediating neurons and so forth. So there are hints of a structural match, 
but there's no unity. So how is this possible? What, I mean, when one is dreamlessly asleep, even if your individual neurons may sustain rudimentary conscious, you're not a, a unified subject to experience. I mentioned local binding. Local binding is the, is, is the way uh, distributed feature processes form perceptual objects. Global binding is the unity of the self and the unity of perception. Right now, within my uh, world uh, simulation, I can see half a dozen pigeons, various yucca plants, goodness knows uh, what else. Simil simultaneous. How, yeah. How is this, this global unity possible? And this is extraordinarily fitness enhancing too. Um, Scientists, neuroscientists, biologists disagree what is the evolutionary function of consciousness, what is consciousness for? And I would say, ask what phenomenally bound consciousness is for. It is hugely adaptive. Uh, one of the ways to understand just how fitness enhancing phenomenally bound consciousness is, is to look at syndromes where binding partially breaks down. Someone with simultaneous can only experience one perceptual object at once. Now imagine what's that, the, what, the implications of simultaneous with a pride of hungry lions on the African savanna, or someone with a, a cerebral achinotopsia or motion blindness uh, can't see motion. They can see the lions in the distance, lions a bit nearer, and then the lions a meter or two away, but can't see the advancing lions. Hmm. Or uh, other forms uh, of partial breakdown of binding, integrative, someone with integrative agnosia uh, can see a mane or a, and a claw, but can't see uh, a lion. Uh, in the particular example I recall reading with someone who can see bristles uh, and the handle of a paintbrush, but no paintbrush. But think of this in a more natural, naturalistic setting, like the, Afri the African savanna. Our ability to support local binding, what naive realists would call perceiving your local surroundings, and global binding, this unity of the self, unity of perception, it's fabulously adaptive. And yet it seems to be classically impossible if if neuroscientists are correct that, yeah, your nervous system consists of discrete, decohered, membrane-bound neurons. I, I can see that we don't have a good explanation for this yet, but I don't see necessarily a reason why some sort of weak emergence can't explain this. We have hints from the field of artificial intelligence. We've developed uh, artificial neural networks that reproduce some of these behaviors. We can take diverse inputs and put them into a neural net and the layers of neurons come down to a single uh, output which can correlate to a symbol or you know you, you have diverse inputs going into a neural network and it can and it filters through this intertwined network of, of nodes in a, in a computerized simulation coming down to a single representation of an idea or a an object recognition. I mean, uh, machine vision, for example, does this all the time. It can recognize objects using neural nets, which is basically using the 
the the ideas from what we understand of how brains work. So in my mind, this seems like it's just a problem that's going to be solved that maybe we don't have all the details yet. Is there any reason why this couldn't be the case? One needs to show, at least in principle, how the derivation could be done. Critically, science must be empirically adequate. And let's take first a, a standard uh, classical Turing machine and then a connectionist system. Uh, Notionally, fancifully, replace the ones and zeros of a classical Turing machine with discrete pixels of experience, execute the code, one's no nearer to getting unified subject of experience. All one has is a micro-experiential zombie on pain of strong emergence. Or to take a, a connectionist system, a tendentiously named neural network, replace the nodes of the network with discrete pixels of experience notionally and train up the network. Once again, all one has is a micro-experiential zombie on pain of strong emergence. Uh, now, yeah, I personally, at all costs, want to preserve physicalism and the unity of science, the, what philosophers would call the ontological unity uh, of science, that ultimately everything derives from physics. But this is going to, I think, involve some pretty radical uh, adjustments to our conceptual scheme. There, there are philosophers that would hold the point that we are zombies in that, in, in the, in the very physical sense that you know determinism exists and consciousness is an illusion, a uh, post hoc illusion created by uh, a modeling system, and the you know we consciousness is basically a narrator that's trying to piece together what it sees the body doing after the fact, and it's, you don't have any particular. Uh, like free will has no uh, independent magical existence in this case. It's a, a physical um, determinism to a, to an extent. I mean, I think Daniel Dennett is, is maybe the most famous philosopher holding this position. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat, I somewhat like that explanation. Uh, and it's somewhat, obviously people don't like the explanation that, that we don't have free will because people imbue power in free will. But if we don't, if it's too complex to predict what's happening at these higher levels of existence anyways, what does free will even mean? Everything is caused in some way. Um, yeah, I, I struggle with this. By all means, tell me that the oasis I see within my visual field in my world simulation is a mirage. But if someone tells me there's no mirage, no illusion, I simply don't know what to say. Pain is an illusion. Well, yeah, maybe that. Yeah, maybe I don't have a foot. Maybe I'm. Uh, I've got phantom limb pain, and I'm an amputee. But nonetheless, the mystery is phenomenal experience. Note that nothing I am saying so far is making the case for uh, free will or anything like that. To the best of our knowledge. I'm debating whether to launch off onto a spiel on quantum theory. <laughs> Essentially, according yeah, sorry, to, 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 to physics, yes, uh, 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 I'm going to ignore dynamical collapse theories. There's, yeah, the continuous 
linear, unitary, deterministic evolution of the of the universal wave function, and there doesn't seem any scope uh, for free will. Um, so, yeah, even though I'm a, a consciousness realist and I entertain uh, uh, hypotheses about quantum mind, uh, yeah, I'm a, a, a skeptic about free will. I don't see uh, uh, any place for free will unless I were playing devil's advocate or something. So maybe we should get into quantum mechanics because you have uh, uh, a hypothesis about how quantum mechanics creates minds uh, and I'd be very excited to, to hear how this works because quantum mechanics is is mysterious. It's it's one of those things that you know the the dreams that stuff is made of is 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 one of my favorite explanations of what quantum mechanics is. <laughs> Good heavens. Well, I don't think quantum mechanics can somehow create consciousness from non consciousness. Uh Quantum mechanics, on the other hand, can, I think, offer a solution to the binding problem. And the, uh, the hypothesis, hypothesis I explore, and apologies for the jargon, I'll unpack it uh, in, in a second, is a quantum theoretic version of the intrinsic nature argument. Uh, what is the intrinsic nature argument? Uh, at the start of our podcast, I mentioned that the nature of the physical, intrinsic nature of the physical, the fire in the equations is deeply mysterious. That yes, science and ultimately physics gives us an account of the structural relational properties of the world and the best of our Best of our understanding, quantum field theory, the standard model, formally describes uh, uh, the universe, but the actual intrinsic nature of the physical uh, is, is unknown. And if the intrinsic nature argument is correct, that the fundamental nature of a quantum field, quantum fields, doesn't differ inside and outside your head, that what makes us special is phenomenal binding. And the challenge then is to explain how binding into virtual worlds of experience, like the egocentric world simulation your mind is running like now, is physically impossible. Now, to even to begin to take uh, non-materialist physicalism seriously you've got to be persuaded that the hard problem is 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 a deep mystery I and mean, someone like daniel dennett consciousness explained would, uh, would 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 dismiss the idea um but uh yeah as far as i'm concerned uh yeah or i mean well this isn't this isn't this isn't my expression it's eric schwitzgebel's crazyism all the options are crazy. One wants to f find an option that is both empirically adequate and critically testable, falsifiable, that makes novel, precise, experimentally falsifiable predictions that both, uh, that both proponents and critics uh, 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 can agree will settle the issue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you've mentioned illusionism. 
There's epiphenomenalism we touched on earlier, but epiphenomena can't have the causal capacity to inspire discussions of their existence. There's, there's dualism, someone like David Chalmers will take seriously, uh, yet dualism just doesn't seem consistent with well-attested principles, conservation of matter and energy and so forth. So my assumption is monistic physicalism, that, yeah, that physics is formally complete and the question we need to ask is how do we interpret the formalism uh on one reading yeah uh just fields of insentience yeah that, that that's what the formalism describes and yet that is inconsistent uh with the empirical evidence of one's own consciousness and the conjecture that experience discloses the intrinsic nature of the physical is, I would argue, empirically adequate. Uh, other people who take the conjecture seriously, uh, uh, Galen Strawson, uh, Phil Goff, uh, uh, it, the, the position is sometimes called constitutive panpsychism. Um, Problems with the term panpsychism. Uh, panpsychism suggests some kind of property dualism that attached to all fundamental physical properties, there is some kind of rudimentary experience. But this is, this is property dualism. And the reason I prefer Grover Maxwell's term non-materialist physicalism is that it, it stresses that, yeah, only the physical is real but the intrinsic nature of the physical is radically different from our materialist intuitions, that there is only one part of the physical world one directly knows as it is in itself, and not at one, re one remove, and that is one's own mind and phenomenal world simulation. Uh, and yeah, uh, maybe, maybe one is typical. Maybe this tiny sliver of the fire in the equations, maybe, yeah, the principle of mediocrity, quantum fields inside one's head are ontologically no different. But what makes us special is phenomenal binding. The fact that we can run, animal life can run world simulations. Uh, and yeah, some of the issues I've explored, uh, yeah, are possible solutions to the binding problem. And just to, uh, uh, just to outline, we can, we can go into more detail later. I would say this, this is the conjecture, Schrodinger's neurons, that what naive neuroscanning suggests when you see a perceptual object is, uh, distributed edge detectors, motion detectors, so forth, firing, is actually consists of individual superpositions. Superpositions or cat states are individual states. Uh, they're, they're not aggregates. Now, there's a pretty obvious uh, objection here in that if the lifetime of neuronal superpositions or, or, or cat states in the central nervous system were milliseconds or so, they would be the obvious candidate for the perfect structural match between what you're experiencing now and neuroscience and ultimately physics. 
but of course this isn't the case. Uh, the mind brain is far too hot. Uh, theorists have done the sums uh, and the effective lifetime of neuronal superpositions in the central nervous system is going to be femtoseconds or less unless one is introducing new physics, which I'm not going to, nothing like that. And intuitively, this is the reductio ad absurdum of quantum mind. Hmm. But one person's reductio ad absurdum is another person's experimentally falsifiable prediction. Uh, And I predict that once molecular matter wave interferometry can probe Realistically, it's not going to be uh, a human mind brain, but yeah, let's say we can uh, train up uh, a, new, uh, a literal neuronal network on different uh, stimuli. I predict that tentatively that molecular matter wave interferometry will discover a perfect structural uh, match. Uh, uh, and that, uh, yeah, what so I said, naive neuroscanning suggests is synchrony is 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 really superposition. Um, once again, it's it's a conjecture. Uh, it's it 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 could be uh, refuted. There are indirect ways to refute it. For example, I would predict that if we were to knock out your uh, your V4 neocortical neurons, uh, well. Someone with their V4 neocortical neurons knocked out has achromatopsia. They complete color blindness. Now, if some kind of coarse grain functionalism were true, it would be possible to replace these neocortical neurons with silicon surrogates. Uh, and you would consider you would continue within your world simulation to experience colorful objects as before, whereas I would predict knocking v- v4 cortical neurons out and replacing them with silicon surrogates would induce complete achromatopsia, color blindness. All the objects within your world simulation would be uh, uh, would be colorless. Um, so, yeah, a number of ways to, to test uh, this conjecture, but whereas the claim, the speculative claim that the fundamental nature of the physical is, is experiential is intuitively unfalsifiable, this is, this is what makes constitutive panpsychism, non-materialist physicalism, so implore, well, uh, so unsatisfactory to many people. How, how one could, how on earth could one ever test it? Nonetheless, the claim that the basis of phenomenal binding is non-classical, this is, this is, this is a, a claim that can be put to experimental test. You may think it's too, too crazy to be worth uh, testing, uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah the idea that uh, you and your world simulation are a bunch of of of, of cat states. It ought to be possible to falsify. So there's a lot to, to try to follow there, and I'm not sure I, I followed all of that. But let me see if I, I got the gist of it. So you're basically saying that the the quantum mechanical superposition of whole brain states uh, different whole brain states represent different concepts effectively in a mind is that 
<laughs> and sufficiently temporary it's sufficiently temporarily fine-grained resolutions you are not you can't be if quantum mechanics is complete and obviously there are other scientists who propose you know dynamical collapse theories or something like that but i'm assuming quantum mechanics is complete nothing but the unitary dynamics so that it's sufficiently temporarily fine-grained resolutions then you you are not 86 billion odd uh, uh, membrane-bound neurons. Uh, all of these superpositions, let's say a superposition of edge detectors, motion detectors, color detectors, and you're seeing a cat, are legal if if quantum mechanics uh, is, uh, is 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 complete. I mean, Schrodinger equation is linear in any linear combination of of, of solutions. Uh, of, of solutions will also be a, a solution. So I'm not proposing any new physics. Mm -hmm. I'm simply treating what is intuitively absurd uh, as an experimentally falsifiable prediction. Okay, so this is uh, we're getting into the realms of. of complex graduate physics level stuff here so for my listeners who don't know what we're jabbering on about uh quantum mechanics posits and posits that there's a wave function that describes reality and it's effectively uh a single function describes all of reality and this basically just uh propagates linearly through time and there's no real um Physicists basically debate all the time about what this means and how to interpret it. And the original Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics basically says that uh, the quantum mechanics represents probabilities of how systems, how microscopic systems will evolve over time. And the wave function represents a probability distribution. And interestingly, uh, if you look at the statistics of quantum mechanics, it's it actually does uh, recreate uh, Bayesian probability um, statistics that you know how you how a, a person might think about unknowns. Uh, quantum mechanics does follow that sort of statistics, which is uh, in keeping with some of these quantum mechanics minds, um, quantum mechanical mind uh, theories, like like this one, for example. So, quantum mechanics does seem to have some uh, parallels to how we gain knowledge about the world and it may reflect uh as david says a basis in in basically a, a solipsistic kind of uh, approach where mind is is the true reality and quantum mechanics just describes how minds evolve over time um so you know i'm not going to throw this theory out uh, immediately because there there is there are some in intriguing parallels here between uh, how we uh, learn about the world and the, and, the, and the statistics of quantum mechanics. So, uh, you know, it, it's very possible that there is a link there. I don't understand, though, what you say about replacing a group of neurons with silicon replacements suddenly not working. Why could um, a silicon functional replacement not participate in in the quantum mechanical uh, evolution of a wave function? It has to be the right sort of functional replacement in that both uh, organic molecules and silicon uh, circuits are ultimately described by quantum mechanics, but nonetheless are programmable 
digital computer is not uh, a quantum computer. But I would say, <laughs> just I did want, just want to pick up with uh, one thing about your description to listeners. Um, yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> The, the conjecture that consciousness is fundamental that uh, 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 isn't the same as saying that minds are fundamental. Presumably there was a time a billion years ago, five million years ago, when there were, there were, there were no uh, minds, there was no life. Uh, um, uh, there are, of course, various theories, cosmopsychism, in which the uh, universe or the multiverse is one big mega mind. I don't see any evidence that uh, this is the case. I think decoherence makes this extremely uh, Im in, uh, 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 implausible. Um, but yeah, what I'm suggesting is that yeah, what, what makes us special is the way our minds are bound into phenomenal world simulations for the past 540 uh, million odd years animal minds have had this extraordinary extraordinary adaptation and i think the measurement problem and the binding problem are intimately linked I mean, the measurement problem or the problem of of, of definite outcomes why is it apparently that uh, whenever uh, uh, no one is observing, you get this uh, the, the wave function uh, uh, evolving according to the uh, Schrodinger equation is this linear superposition of different states. Uh, and yet somehow when one makes a, an observation, uh, then this, this leads to the mysterious collapse of the wave function and what I'm suggesting is that one needs to distinguish between the vehicle and the content and it's only the fact that the vehicle of our minds is quantum mechanical coherent superpositions that allows you to see a live cat or a uh, a single apparently a single particle incident on a screen in a, a double sit experiment or or something like that that the superposition principle makes uh, definite out uh, experience of definite outcomes possible only the fact that the superposition principle of quantum mechanics never breaks down uh, allows us to run quasi classical world simulations. Um, so it's it's a conjecture. It could be false. I'm sounding as as, a, as though I'm a believer. I'm I'm not. It's a conjecture. But if the conjecture is false, well, I've absolutely no idea how to explain why we aren't micro experiential zombies. Just as if non-materialist physicalism is false, I haven't any idea how to uh, to, to solve the, the hard problem. Um, yeah. Uh, so. I, I'm, I'm also uncertain. You, you talk about um, doing matter wave interferometry on on brains um, or simulated brains uh, to identify uh, superpositions, and it's not clear to me how that would work or how you would say whether it was true or not. 
intuitively all one is going to discover if one probes uh, the mind brain at these resolutions is just random noise whereas i would conjecture that precisely the same cells that are implicated when a neurosurgeon uh, probes uh, your brain you know the edge detectors motion detectors color uh, mediating neurons will be implicated uh, uh, in, in, in the result. Um, how one would actually do the uh, experiments, yeah, the details are completely, yeah, the actual precise protocol are, are com completely uh, beyond me. As I said, my background is, is, is not in physics. Yeah, essentially, if, I, if I'm saying anything that is inconsistent with physics it's almost certainly uh, the formalism of physics it's almost certainly going to be wrong i appreciate the effort though to have an empirical uh prediction because in in, in my experience I, I i kind of resonate with the old saying that the difference between physics and philosophy is in philosophy you need a pen and a paper and physics you need also need a garbage can <laughs> 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 so yeah. I, I appreciate the, the effort to to <laughs> propose a test of of your theory because there are so many theories out there and it's very easy to uh to keep them all unless you have some way to determine which one is is correct yeah, I, I i will i will be um, essentially amazed if the correct theory of consciousness that actually solves one to four uh, of, of the problems, the mysteries I outlined earlier, makes no testable predictions. It ought to be falsifiable. <coughs> One knows that it's going to be crazy. The odds are, it's obviously, realistically, are extremely unlikely that my crazy theory is 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 correct. But nonetheless, yeah, it's it's people should be encouraged to come up with the crazy theories because. Yeah, I mean, normally I'll be honest that yeah, if, if I read the ter if I read the term quantum and consciousness in the same sentence, my heart sinks. I'm normally going to get some some nonsense. Um, but yeah, the correct theory is you know it's possible if some if if an oracle were to explain to you the correct theory of consciousness, you would say, "Wow, why didn't I think of that?" Or you would alternatively think that's stark raving bonkers, and I suspect <laughs> we'd think it was stark raving bonkers. But uh, uh, yeah. I, I just want to maybe go into a little bit more depth here. So I've I've followed a little bit on on uh, Sir Roger Penrose and Stuart Hammerhoff's um, theory about quantum mechanical uh, minds, and I think you mentioned uh, something about dynamical collapse theories which are basically theories where you have a, a wave function which is interfering with itself through time and collapsing to become a self-propagating um, mind through time, effectively. And I, Is that the difference between their um, theory and your theory? Or how would you differentiate uh, your hypothesis from theirs? They are positing some form of dynamical collapse some modification of the unitary Schrodinger dynamics. Uh, and uh, 
in principle, at any rate, this this deviation from the unitary Schrodinger dynamics ought to be ought to be testable. Um, one of the reasons I am skeptical, quite aside from the fact that no one knows how dynamical collapse theories are supposed to work, uh, is that I don't understand how the theory can uh, can solve the binding problem. That even if microtubules within individual neurons support uh, quantum coherence, you've still got uh, a micro-experiential zombie, as, as far as I can tell. Uh, so, yeah, I don't understand how orchestrated objective reduction uh, solves the binding problem. Uh, and so far, at least, whenever whenever uh, scientists, physicists have probed to see at what scale, if any, the superposition principle breaks down, it doesn't. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, my working assumption would be that physicists know what they're, uh, they're, they're talking about, that quantum mechanics is complete, there's no, there are no uh, hidden variables, that there's no dynamical collapse, that there's, sim that there's simply the universal uh, Schrodinger equation. There's a more, well, I, I don't know if you're interested, there's a more philosophical reason that I am skeptical that the superposition principle ever breaks down. Uh, and that is the mystery of why anything exists uh, at all. If the superposition principle breaks down and there are determinate outcomes, uh, uh, then uh, information is created. Uh, and what's always interested me as a, someone who's philosophically minded is why does anything exist at all? And Everettian quantum mechanics, no collapse quantum mechanics, in which all that exists is one gigantic superposition, is the only account of reality of which, in which the information content of reality, in a technical sense, is zero. Uh, and although this isn't a complete solution by any means to the mystery of why there is something rather than nothing, I find it a really spooky coincidence between one's intuition that nothing whatsoever should exist and the fact that, yeah, that in nature, you know, the conserved constants cancel to zero. And if it is the case that quantum mechanics is complete, uh, and the superposition principle never breaks down, that the actual information content of reality in the technical sense is zero. Like the, like the imagine a kind of quantum version of the Library of Babel. The Library of Babel contains all possible uh, books in all possible combinations, all possible letters. Now, the world doesn't resemble the classical library of Babel, but uh, is the explanation of existence, are we living in some version of the uh, quantum version of the library of Babel? Uh, fundamental principle of quantum mechanics, that information can neither be created nor destroyed. And my working assumption would be that this is true, not merely true now, it's always been the case, that whenever one thinks one has got determinate uh, a determinate observation, 
in a, actually the superposition principle still holds. I mean, I, I, I hate Everett and quantum mechanics, the multiverse. I find it deeply disturbing. But in terms of, yeah, the mystery of of why anything at all exists, I think it hints at an ex explanation space of uh, where we should be looking for answers. Again, just maybe to uh, for people who aren't following along quite quite as well, uh, Everett is the uh, original proponent of the many worlds theorem in quantum mechanics, and this is there, there is a, a big schism in physics about the in, the interpretation of what quantum mechanics means, and I go back to what I was saying about the Copenhagen. Um, interpretation. Quantum mechanics says that the universe is a wave function and all of the different probabilities uh, of anything are captured in this wave function. And some uh, naive, uh, one naive interpretation is that by making an observation of uh, uh, a cat in a box, for example, you determine which state the cat is in uh, and that collapses the wave function. But this collapse mechanism is not explained in the theory. The physics doesn't have any way to place you in a universe where you've observed one or the other outcome of a measurement. That There is no basic explanation for it. So Wheeler basically went back and, and said, okay, well, let's take the simplest explanation that the wave function never collapses and all of these different probabilities exist, but they're in parallel universes where you cannot uh, interact with them. So there is a copy of you uh, opening the box and finding a dead cat, and there's a copy of you opening the box and finding a live cat, and they are in separate worlds and they don't interact. And so this is the, the I think the many worlds theorem. And so this is what your your theory is is taking the idea that there the superposition exists in minds and maybe is not creating many worlds is is. Is that is that your? Uh... Essentially, I, my 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 guess, and it is only a guess, that is, <coughs> excuse me, that a single principle explains the whole shebang from why there is uh, why there is anything at all, uh, uh, the multiverse to uh, uh, yeah to to our minds. In, in, in my tentative view, it's only the fact that the superposition principle never breaks down that enables you to uh, apparently make the determinate observation that it does and uh, you know you see what appears to be a live cat or a spin-up electron that's gone through a stern Gerlach device or something like that yeah the, the content of one's observations seems to be determinate and classical but the vehicle is quantum and this is the binding, uh, 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 the binding problem again. If it weren't, if you were simply uh, a pack of decohered classical neurons, you wouldn't be able to make uh, an observation. Interesting. Any observations. So let me just uh, change tracks a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that you're a transhumanist, and transhumanists are often talking about um, artificial intelligence and um, the the singularity where uh, minds move into computers is does your is your theory even consistent with that possibility or how how do you feel as a transhumanist about the fact that you need quantum mechanical neurons to create consciousness? 
Uh, create phenomenally bound consciousness. Um, yeah, personally, I am a skeptic about mind uploading. Yeah, it's, it's a nice idea that you could be scanned uh, uh, and then uh, uploaded to a less uh, perishable medium and uh, live eternally or <laughs> into the indefinite future immortality in a digital computer. No, I think uh, digital computers, programmable Turing machines are zombies or technically micro-experiential zombies. Um, yeah, transhumanism is a very diverse movement. I like to summarize it in terms of the three supers. Super intelligence, super longevity and super happiness, which is my my focus we can chat a bit uh, uh, about them uh, if you like uh, um, but uh, yeah ethically speaking I think our overriding obligation is to minimize and prevent suffering I think we should be yeah reprogramming the biosphere and creating life based entirely uh, on gradients of intelligent bliss that is the the super happiness strand of, of transhumanism then there are the uh, the radical life e extension strand. This is the idea that just as silicon robots can be upgraded, uh, repaired and replaced indefinitely, the same ought in principle to be true with organic robots with cryonics or cryothanasia as a backup. That's the second super. Super intelligence. Uh, there's a lot that needs to be unpacked uh, there. Are different transhumanists of different conceptions of of super intelligence, ranging from so-called intelligence explosion, uh, Miri, this idea that recursively self-improving software-based AI is going to lead to some runaway explosion of uh, machine intelligence. I'm skeptical there. And there's the Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil scenario that'll see an effective fusion of humans and our machines, including mind uploading. Then there's the version of full spectrum superintelligence that I would anticipate. I think our successors will also be our genetically rewritten descendants, that everything that a classical digital computer or connectionist system can do you can do too with the relevant neurochips and yeah I, I would envisage full spectrum super intelligence in terms of yeah uh, the ability to navigate altered states of of, of, of consciousness as, as well as all the standard uh, you know off the scale IQ stuff but yeah bringing these strands together yeah uh, a transhumanists would aspire to uh, a triple S civilization of, of super intelligence, super longevity, and super happiness. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not as optimistic as some transhumanists about timescales. <laughs> I think uh, we don't have time to get into that. Uh, we're reaching the end of our our time slot here, but uh, maybe we'll we'll pause that for uh, another episode, perhaps. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with me. Uh, before, before we end this, I have a question I, I ask uh, most of my guests, uh, and I'll pose it to you. Uh, what's your favorite uh, science fiction? Do you, uh, do, you, do you have any stories or shows that you, that you like in, in terms of science fiction? Oh, good heavens. Well, I've lost... <laughs> 
I've lost the ability to read fiction. I'm too prone to picking scientific and sociological holes in things. But as a as a kid, I enjoyed uh, Asimov and the Foundation trilogy. Um, so yeah, uh, you, you, I think you can generally best enjoy science fiction when you're a teenager. You don't know enough socio uh, sociology, or for that matter, hardcore science, to know <laughs> uh, to spot all the holes in the plot. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I like how uh, ideas. I like science fiction that give me ideas about things, new ideas, I, and some of them are, are are quite good. One of my favorite authors is Greg Egan. He's, he's a very hard science fiction writer, mathematician, who goes into uh, futuristic scenarios uh, with glee. Uh, I really enjoy some of that stuff. So, thank you so much for for your perspectives. Uh, appreciate talking to you. I'll. I'll send you a, a Rational View t-shirt if you'd like. Uh, so, uh, that will be awesome. You can join our group. <laughs> Thank you, Al. It's been great chatting. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my Patreon page at patreon.podbean.com slash the rational view. Thanks for listening.